Welcome back to Empathy Always Wins. Who could have imagined that it's actually been one month since we aired Empathy Always Wins across all platforms? Before we dive into the show with today's special guest by the name of Alia Moro, we'd like to share one of our favorite reviews that have been written over the past week on Apple Podcasts. Noel wrote, This is extremely eye-opening and interesting. The guests are so interesting and come from very different backgrounds. I loved this first episode and I've actually re-downloaded Apple Podcasts to listen to this. And I don't regret it. I was impressed and I can't wait to hear the rest. It's also important, guys, to realize that Empathy Always Wins is available across all platforms. That includes Spotify, Google Podcasts, you name it, Overcast, wherever you get your podcasts. All right, let's dive deep into it with Ali Amoro right now. Ali Amoro is an Egyptian-born, London-raised freelance journalist. Her first book, The Greater Freedom, Life as a Middle Eastern Woman Outside the Stereotypes, is a bestseller and is out worldwide now via Little A Amazon Publishing. She holds a BA in Sociology and Psychology and a Master's in Journalism. She has been published in The Telegraph, Grazia, Refinery29, The Washington Post and many more, providing unique takes on social commentary, fashion and lifestyle. Alia has collaborated with brands like Nike, ASOS and Absolute and guested on numerous national radio stations including BBC Radio 4 Women's Hours, BBC Radio 1 and BBC One Extra. She is a representative voice for both her generation and for multicultural women pretty much everywhere. Without further ado, this is our conversation with the one and only Alia Moro. This episode is brought to you by Empowering Media. Empowering Media is a Canadian boutique social media agency delivering results to purpose-driven changemakers and social enterprises in our global community. Hashtag create to empower to join the movement. Thank you. And thanks so much for having me. I'm super excited to be chatting to you today. <laughs> um, I'm basically, yeah, I'm an Egyptian-born, London-raised freelance journalist. Um, so I grew up in between London and Cairo and kind of moved back and forth a few times and also just very luckily managed to sort of build a life there, despite the fact that I've basically grown up in London. Um, and that's really what I wanted to touch on in my book, which came out a few months ago, which you've very kindly been championing. So thank you for that. Um, so it's called The Greater Freedom, Life as a Middle Eastern Woman Outside the Stereotypes. And it's essentially about navigating, you know, different cultures, different expectations um, as a woman and just as a human, really, to kind of tune out all the sort of opposing messages that the world gives us and be able to make our own decisions ultimately, because I feel like what the world really benefits from and how we are all empowered um, is essentially in being ourselves. And that kind of gives permission to other people to also be themselves. And it just allows for us all to kind of connect on a human level. And I think that that's just such an important thing in the world that we live in, especially today when there's so much kind of other, you know, people keep trying to otherize us and keep yeah. trying to, you know, inc be like, oh, we're, you're, you're different to this person because of the, you know what I mean? Like all these yeah. small things which don't actually matter are being made to seem really important, like skin color or gender or religion or 
you know, any of those things where at the end of the day, as humans, we have way more in common than we do different. And I think that's what I really wanted to kind of highlight is sort of to unpick all of these messages and yeah, figure out what it is that we believe at the, at the end of all that. Yeah. And, and I mean, that fits in superbly with the theme of the, of the show. Empathy always wins is, is kind of like getting all those labels out and really sort of finding common ground, right? Because if we can find common ground, we can really respect and we can empower one another. So, I mean, that's, that's great on, uh, in itself. But how have you, as, a, as an Egyptian woman, truly been able to break that wall? Because I know you've continuously expressed that throughout your book. It wasn't easy. Like now, now you're, you're at a stage where you're talking about it in the past tense. But take us, take us, into, take us into the journey. Take us into how you've actually... Um, how you've broken down all your your your, your barriers i know you there's the inner uh, there's the invisible jury. invisible jury and that yeah. invisible jury concept is mind freaking boggling because <laughs> you know it you know it you know it i'm more uh you know un- what's uncle gonna say what's what's the web what's what you know you've touched on that how have you been able to to surpass that and excel throughout that well, I think what's so interesting is that, of course, the invisible jury applies to Ammo and the Baweb and you, know, the people that you immediately know. But I think what's even more scary and what's even more kind of, you know, bogs you down is the idea that it's people that you don't even know. So like your mom will be like, oh, what will people say? And when she says that, she doesn't even know who she's got in mind, you know? So yeah. it's like, oh, okay. So I'm supposed to be living my life based on notions of people that are invisible. Like, I don't even know where they are. I don't even know who they are. <laughs> I don't mean to cut this conversation, but I'd love to get you involved. Text our Q&A phone number now at plus one six four seven three seven zero two six six three. That's plus one six four seven three seven zero two six six three. Alia and I will be answering all your questions as soon as as we get them via text. All right, let's hop back into it with Alia Moro. Um, and that really bothered me for a really long time. I think from a really, really young age, it just wasn't something that I was able to sort of grasp or accept. Um, and I remember my aunt actually told me a really funny story recently where apparently when I was four years old, I was like, my mom, da, 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 and I was like saying all these family secrets. <laughs> and she was like, don't do that. Like I Abe, like, don't, don't, don't say these things, you know? And I was like, but why, you know, it's the truth. Mm. And that was so funny. Cause I obviously completely forgot. I think I was like four years old. I completely forgot that that was something that I had said, but in <laughs> my mind, now I'm like, yeah, I was never willing to accept this. Even from the age of four, I'm like, no, this is the truth. And as such, we should be able to talk about it. Yeah. Um, so I think, yeah, for me, just from a young age, I just didn't really, I wasn't down. I wasn't down for that. And I think that it's one of those things that there's so much um, like obedience through shame, ultimately, like mm. we're taught how to be good people through shame. And I don't think that we need that. Like, I think that, you know, shame is so destructive in so many ways because it ultimately means that we hide the things that make us human, the things that we actually have in common, our vulnerabilities, you know, we're taught like, don't say this, don't speak about that that's shameful. And I think that actually, and it comes back to what you're saying about empathy, that 
empathy is actually what makes us good people, I think, at the end of the day, you know, if I'm able to be like, oh, don't do this because, you know, don't like go kill someone, for example, because they're a human and they have a life and, you know, it's, that's much more powerful and much more important than being shamed into not doing something. I don't think that it works as well. Um, so for me, I've spent many, many years kind of trying to break it down. And it's, it's funny because I've just turned 30 and I feel like there was something as well about kind of getting older that you sort of stop caring what people think as much. And it's something that I really wanted to kind of help people do even from a younger age. Mm. Um, because it's just destructive. Like we just can't be living our lives based on what other people think. I just don't think that that's a healthy way to live. And what's been so powerful for me actually is that, you know, even I'm lucky that I'm 30 and I've managed to stop caring. Like some of my mom's friends, for example, read The Greater Freedom. Um, Some of like grandparents' ages, like 80 years old. And so many of them were like, oh, I wish that I had read this younger when I was younger because actually yeah like who are these invisible jury like why have i lived my life based on their opinions yeah um and i think yeah that's really just ultimately what i wanted to help other people to do because feeling that shame for a long time really burdened me and it just made me not be able to live my best life in 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 the way that suits me and i think Mm -hmm. that Something else that I really wanted to kind of express is that freedom doesn't mean the same for everyone and that that's totally fine. Like as long as we're living based on our own principles that we've thought about, then that's great. Whatever it looks like for you is fantastic. Mm. As long as it's authentic to actually what you believe. Yeah. And I think that, you know, sometimes you believe something that isn't specifically what you're raised to believe or you brought up to believe. And it's, it's incredibly, I mean, it's incredibly challenging. It's incredibly challenging. I mean, as a, as a leader, as a person of color, you know, especially invisible minority communities, I mean, where your name just stands out when written on paper and, you know, it's, I find that, I find that communities like our Egyptian or Middle Eastern or, or, or Eastern community, I find that we have, we tend to really stick to our habits or our cultural values so much more um, than the Western community. And I feel that w- your your book relates a lot to the struggles of of people that find it hard expressing who they are. W- what's one piece of advice that you would give to someone that 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 truly wants to break some barriers within themselves and kind of own their own identity to become that person that they aspire or would would really see themselves to be? I think honestly, and it might sound like an obvious thing because obviously I'm a writer, but read, like I think that reading is just such a powerful way of kind of, Mm. you know, learning about different ways of thinking, different ways of being. It allows us to sort of, again, reconsider the sort of things that sometimes Mm. we've, we've, adopted by osmosis is is something that like you know it's a term that i think of often because i'm like literally like i didn't even consciously make a decision to agree with what my mom said with what my you know uncle said or whatever but it kind of just becomes fused into into our brains and into our ways of being and i think that reading is really 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 powerful for that Mm. and actually you know now on the other side of it, I'm like, oh, all these things are so obvious. Of course, we live in a patriarchal world. Of course, we live in a capitalist world. Of course, we live in a world, you know, where white privilege reigns supreme. But actually, 
when I started out writing the book, I didn't really, it was more out of a place of curiosity. I was like, oh, okay, that's really bizarre that I sometimes feel this shame. That's really bizarre that I sometimes hear this voice in the back of my head that's telling me how I should live. I wonder why almost. And then I kind of, you know, embarked on so much research. I read so, so much. And that really helped me come to my own conclusions. And again, my conclusion might not be your conclusion. It might not be someone else's conclusion. But I think the, the, the message here and my advice essentially would be come to your own conclusions. Yeah. And I think that one of the easiest ways of doing that is by reading, is by, mm -hmm. you know, in, like, take, like uh, what's the word I'm looking for? engaging with with content that you might not otherwise engage with mm. you know read work by people who are from different cultures read you know watch movies by people who look completely different to you who think completely different to you and yeah engage with that and 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 you'll see that there's millions and millions of ways of of living and thinking mm. and being and feeling and that one is not necessarily more correct or or better than the other yeah, and it's it's very interesting you say that because uh, sometimes you almost feel like an imposter, like you you're not good enough to, um, you're not qualified enough, quote unquote. I, I love that word. Oh, I'm not qualified. Yeah, you have a degree, like you're not qualified to work, or you know. Sometimes, I mean, this hinders a lot of people in in, in ultimately realizing their potential. And while while I may be laughing at it right now, I, I mean, it certainly did affect me. Um, and and I know you also expressed that one day you didn't really believe that or like you you believe you could write a book but like it wasn't real until you physically had that copy straight in your hand yeah uh, well, can, i still think that sometimes i'm still like oh my god who the hell am i to have written a book or to have shared my life story like who cares yeah. and i think that that's so destructive because actually well, I think that firstly, something that really helped me is, is the knowledge that everyone feels like that or most people feel like that. That's it. Like That's it. And it says, um, oh, I can't remember exactly what the quote is, but it basically says like, idiots are, f are super cocky and like the intelligent people are full of doubt. Yeah. And I feel like it's <laughs> so true because actually we do need to, you know, if you're, if you're, if you're really going to do something, you can't be like, oh, of course, I'm amazing, because then you're not even going to try your best. Yeah. It's yeah. the doubt that makes you like check and recheck. My dad has the saying that he says like literally every day. And it's basically um, everyone is an idiot, including yourself. Yeah. And I think about that all the time. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, well, that's such a good it's such a good way of thinking about it because firstly that kind of helps you tackle your imposter syndrome a little bit where it's like mm -hmm. you also doubt yourself you also are not sure of what you're doing and then it also makes you triple quadruple check yourself because you're like i might be wrong as well so let mm -hmm. me really make sure you know mm -hmm. um and i think that yeah the world needs more people who are brave you know like and bravery is not not being scared it, it's being scared and kind of pushing that to the side and doing it anyway because yeah. like otherwise you're leaving the people who have no doubt and that's kind of concerning yeah and 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 something to add to that when you do have the courage and bravery you essentially write a book and you empower other people to feel something that you know maybe their surroundings weren't brave enough to show and i think that in a world where we're ever so connected um we need that more than ever right we really yeah. do and I think that, you know, there are so many people like I follow on Instagram, for example, and I see them doing all these amazing things. And it kind of empowers me to feel like, oh, maybe I can do that as well. 
Mm. Um, and that's something that I really try to do, like even on my social media and stuff is I never, like if I'm sad, I'll say I'm sad. You know what I mean? Like if I'm really doubtful one day or if I make a mistake or whatever, I'll try and talk about that as well instead of just being like, oh, here's the end image because that's just not useful. There's no, there's so many steps and so many levels to ever get anything done. It's never just like, click and finish, you know? And I think it is really important to kind of show that because that, that also helps break down the imposter syndrome a bit. Like no one is born knowing it's all just efforts. Yeah. Um, I loved how you touched on a little bit of, uh, well, in the book, technically Muslim. And I want to, I want to like dive deeper into uh, how you've been raised in the UK and, 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 and specifically in the Mo Salah effect. I feel like, I feel like so many. Uh, I, I mean, the Black Panther as well. They, so many things have been recently in the past well five years coming out that are making people feel okay to be different, not scared to look a certain way. Leaders, young leaders, are starting to have the courage and guts to pursue uh, their, their their life's quote unquote calling. Um, but 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 from your standpoint, how has how have you felt Mo Salah success in Britain? help reduce Islamophobia um, with Middle Easterns or, or help just help help Middle Easterns gain tolerance? Let's put it that way. Well, it comes back to imposter syndrome, doesn't it? Like it's kind of like if you don't see anyone who looks like you doing something or being in the public eye, you're like, oh, maybe I'm invisible. Maybe I don't even exist. And that was something that for me, you know, I felt for a very long time, I felt imposter syndrome. Am I even Egyptian? <laughs> am, I, <laughs> am I even Muslim? And that's why I, you know, I said technically Muslim for so long because there was such a narrow, you know, till now, but I think it's changing. But there's such a narrow idea of what that's supposed to mean. What the media portrays essentially is very narrow, very reductive, has nothing to do with the reality of the situation, which is that there's millions of ways of being, you know, and I think 100%. That, Yeah. And I think it's super important to see different examples in part for that. And then in part, again, to to just show that we're really not that different. Um, Mo Salah definitely, definitely had a huge impact. Like there's a chant that I put in the book um, that fans have been saying, which I I won't, you know, sing for you guys because that definitely won't work out. But But it's basically like if if he scores another few, I'll be Muslim too. Like there's, you know, all of that kind of stuff. And I feel like that's so powerful because at the moment, especially in the UK, there's all the Brexit, the Islamophobia is hugely on, hugely on the rise, um, unfortunately. So I think that, yeah, the more examples we have like that, Rami, I don't know if you've, any of you have watched the TV show Rami, it's phenomenal. Um, And he just won an Emmy Award for his acting in it, which is great. And it's basically about an Egyptian um, American who's growing up in New Jersey and he's kind of trying to navigate his identity. Um, a lot of people are basically saying it's like the greater freedom, but from a male point of view. <laughs> you know what? I haven't actually, I haven't, I haven't seen this. I know Romy Malik. I, I, I've seen Mr. Robot, but I haven't seen that. So yeah, this is Romy Youssef and it's called Romy and it's on Hulu and the second season's about to come out. And it's absolutely brilliant. And it kind of just, you know, humanizes the Arab Muslim experience, which I, an American experience, which I don't feel like we have had at all. And I think that the more things that we have like that, the better, you know, for people within the community and within the culture and the religion to sort of be like, oh, okay, my feelings are valid. My doubts are valid. 
there are many ways of being these things, which is very important. And then I think for the people who are unfamiliar with the culture, unfamiliar with the religion to sort of be like, oh, okay, you're human as well. You have the same feelings. Like you also know how to score goals. Like you also, (laughs) whatever is really powerful. Yeah. And it's, it's absolutely crazy because I know a couple of like uh, um, friends of mine who like, whom I respect, they're women and they they actually don't like football, but they love Mo Salah. Yeah, um, me too, to be honest. Just just because of the fact, the mere fact of 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 love and 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 and, and energy and, and the aura that 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 he brings. Um and I think that again that's that's what really connection, understanding, empathy, love, that's what all comes that's what breaks barriers and ultimately serves the, the greater freedom or the greater purpose, if you may. Um, now I'm going to shift into the book, uh, the greater freedom. How, how important was it to write your story in your narrative? Cause I found you very, very, very vulnerable. You spoke a lot about, you spoke, you spoke about everything from sex to family to like everything. And I honestly was like, holy crap, this girl has some <laughs> balls. Like, <laughs> like, honestly, I listened to the entire, to the entire book on audible. I was in the gym for three days, you know, I, I like, I'm just being honest. And like, I was like, and I'm lifting my weights. I'm like, Dude, this isn't heavy. <laughs> so like, <laughs> like, like you are absolutely crazy. How, 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 how did that feel? Like, how's the process feel? It definitely, definitely, definitely have made, has made you a different Alia model. Like, yeah. It definitely has. It definitely has because it's like all these things that I was told I was supposed to be ashamed about. I was like, okay, I'm just going to write about them. Um, <laughs> so that definitely like rid myself of the shame almost because I'm like, no, it's important to talk about these things. Obviously, I do have to acknowledge I'm super privileged in that my family are very supportive. Um, and were they not, it would have been much more difficult, if not like impossible to do that. Um, so I'm really, really lucky and I have to, I have to keep like acknowledging that. Um, but I think that for me, I felt like it was really important to have a story and for it to be my story. Like I do have a lot of research in there and a lot of quotes, you know, from other, I did a lot of interviews with other Middle Eastern women, which I've kind of got throughout the book essentially to be like, it's not just me, like you know, there's research here, like, oh, I feel like this, but actually these are all the reasons why and these are all the other people who also felt the same. So that actually definitely helped me feel more brave because it wasn't just me pouring my heart out by myself. It was me, and I was very conscious of this. I was giving the examples that I needed to give to make the points that I wanted to make. Yeah. Like, I wasn't just like, this is my dirty laundry. Like, let's all just have a look. It was like, there's a reason to this. And the reason is that shame is useless. Yeah. And we all need to be able to like, yeah, make our own decisions and make sense of the things that have happened in our lives, essentially. They all have a greater good and a greater purpose. And looking back, I can definitely see all that, like all the connections, like all made me who I am today, which is the person which wrote this book. You know what I mean? So I feel like it all kind of made sense. It was really scary. I'm not going to lie. It oh, was I can tell. Oh, I can tell. I can tell. I can tell. 
Um, but I felt like it was important to do. And I didn't want to just have the research. I didn't want to take myself completely out of it because I didn't feel like it would be as powerful without it. It needed to be both. It needed to be my story and research and like, in, in, I think how I always envisioned this book was that it would be all of those things and that the combination is what would, is what would make it what it is. Mm. Um, I, I, when, when, when I think of the book, I, I think of the challenge that surrounds identity. Um, I mean, last year at the Arab Harvard conference, um, it was all about reimagining home. Um, personally, when I think of home, I go back to Egypt. Look, I love Egypt and I'm Mosri and I love it. Uh, but I, I, I feel like an Akhawega because I've, I've yeah. been, I was raised 10 years abroad. And I'm pretty sure that a lot of people that have been raised in two countries when they go back to their country of origin, they sometimes feel like they don't fit in 100%. And you don't fit into the country, in the country where you're living 100%. So you kind of like don't feel home. And I feel like that's something you absolutely hit right on the, right on the head. Um, in, in your book and I feel that that's the struggle that makes us like yearn and really become so curious in finding ourselves and art and causes that's why like I'm really passionate about mental health you think I like I was I would never imagine in a million years I would be a voice of a cause that I didn't actually quite believe in quite frankly growing up and, I, and I'm very honest about that that's that that's what that's why I'm even driven and compelled to go that extra mile but I think that the whole purpose, the, the the whole notion of identity, is becoming greater than ever, and I think you really, really, really did a great job in making. I mean, m- me, let alone all all your Middle Eastern audience and all, all women and all the women in the world feel like they can to have a voice, and especially men. I, that's that's the next point that I want to touch upon. How can you see men playing a role in, 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 in empowering not just women, empowering other men? Um, I mean, yesterday I was at an event here in Toronto, and uh, it's so funny because uh, I was in a, uh, some people came up to me and they were like, Ali, um, you know, we've never seen men coming and, and seeking out mental health support in our facility, in our in our mental health service facility. Uh, but they, when they do it, they're, they're always very discreet. Um, do you have any idea how we can break that barrier, perhaps have a mental health support group? I don't know, that's not, not like what we're, what our conversation is way beyond mental health, but like breaking that boundary, breaking that barrier. How can, how can we all really fit into that? if you may well i think that you know that's part of that's part of the problem with these kind of binary like masculine feminine like you know something i touch on in the book is essentially this notion of the patriarchy and how it's destructive not only for women but also for men because it kind of locks us into these ideas of oh you're a woman so that means you you're this is what you are oh you're a man so that means that you need to be like so strong and you need to like never have feelings and you need to you know mm. be all of these things and i feel like that's the thing is that we actually all need to, we should all be feminists because that means that we want to abolish this kind of patriarchy which is not doing anyone any favors like it is not (laughs) good for women it's not good for men it's not good for any kind of non like it is so reductive that no one is allowed to be themselves within that and i think that well they're full selves because we all have masculine and feminine within us don't us don't we at the end day we're made up of all sorts of different nuances um and i feel like that's really what we need to kind of 
think about is how do we want to live our lives? You know, how do we want to empower the people around us to be able to live their lives? How do we want to raise our potential children? Do we want to stick with these really rigid ideas of what it means to be a man and a woman? Or do we want to renegotiate that? And I think that our generation is definitely one of the first ones that are really starting to kind of, you know, tackle, tackle this from the root because we just can't continue like this. It's really destructive. It's really dangerous for everyone around the world, no matter what they look like, where they're from, or, you know, what kind of gender they are, any of those things. So I think that, I don't know, what was your question? How do we do this? <laughs> no, no. How can we, how can we enforce like, like essentially from a, how can we enforce men to join that conversation? And how can we also allow men to, 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 to feel that they can really empower women without being called up um, as softies? Because, hey, I mean, I'm, I'm a very emotional sort of uh, guy and I, I don't come off of that when you, when you see me first time, but kind of like I have to break my... I'm learning to embrace being vulnerable more, but I also find that it's extremely hard. It's extremely hard for men because, I mean, I, I grew up as a professional swimmer. I, I was like like in training, kill yourself, get that personal best, do all that. And I think that men love competition. So it's how can you merge that sense of deep masculine energy with empathy and understanding so that you have sort of that open, vulnerable, yet powerful, like it's like what Brené Brown says, um, soft, uh, soft front, strong back. Um, oh, I like front. that. Yeah. And that's one of my favorite sort of mottos, I, I, I guess, in life. How, what, is your, what is your take on that? Like, I think that, again, like it all comes down to empathy at the end of the day. And it comes to having like real connection and real conversation and not, you know, allowing people the space mm. to talk about their feelings, to not, you know, my friend actually has started to do listening circles for men. Um, wow. Basically, like men can come together and everyone will talk about their feelings and there's no judgment. There's no, I don't think people even really give advice. It's more just like there is a space here for you to talk about how, whatever it is that you want to talk about. Mm-hmm. And I feel like, yeah, more things like that of kind of bringing men in and also education at the end of the day like sometimes you know I'll be out with friends or even my mom or whatever you know people who have these ingrained ideas of what it's supposed to mean to be any number of things like any skin color any gender or whatever and it's kind of you know correcting them like and not to be not being a buzzkill about it but when you know someone says something that's like wrong or just like not useful you're kind of just like okay listen like let's just talk about this for a second because that's reductive you know or even from a very young age like raising our children like my friend for example didn't find didn't want to know what gender she was having when she was pregnant because she didn't want to like paint the room pink or paint the room blue and just have loads of like gendered presence or gendered Mm. kind of notions of what was then going to happen and Mm. I think it's small, it's small things like that, which end up kind of carrying on, you know, to Mm -hmm. just sort of break down the ideas that we even have of what it means to be a man or a woman and kind of help as much as we can through our own example Mm -hmm. and through the conversations that we have with others to, to sort of break down these binary notions and allow people again to be their full selves, whether that's like a man crying or a woman like bodybuilding or whatever it's just it's such a weird concept that that even needs to belong to one gender or another 
And I think, you know, my grandfather, for example, is not going to agree with me. And that's kind of okay. But I have conversations with him all the time. And I can see him sort of ticking away in his brain being like, oh, okay, I never thought of that, you know. And I think something that I really try to do with, with the greater freedom and even just through my conversations, my work, just everything that I do is to not be too aggressive about it. Because mm -hmm. at the end of the day, if, you, if you're yelling at someone, they're going to immediately switch off, immediately become defensive. And I think that that's just not helpful, you know. So it's kind of posing questions like, oh, okay, why do you think that? That's really interesting. And kind of helping them come to their own conclusions with guidance um, and not having it be, you know, there's so many negative connotations around feminism, for example, thinking that it's like, I hate men and, you know, men is like, should, da, da, da. and again, that's reductive because we're all, we should all be fighting the patriarchy because it's not helping men either. So how then do we, how then do we do this in a soft way where men can feel like they can also take part. And I think it is just through gentle conversation, um, leading by example, and just allowing people, again, to, to really think about their, their, their own um, preconceptions. Yeah, I think you really touched on a very, very, very good part in leadership, because this is leadership 101. This is empathetic leadership. What you've really, really um, honed into is how can a leader really empower someone from from inside out? How can how can how can I allow you to be the best you without judging you, without judging your preconceived notions, without, um, you know, tearing all walls apart and i think you really i think that was a really good part of, of of explaining how truly we can lead with empathy and truly we can lead with with, with compassion as well because when you do that you feel more compassionate towards people and i think that builds a lot of uh, that builds a lot of, of of respect towards people and and subsequently you you feel that back and i mean so so now we're going to head on to the last question and, and this, this is an actual perfect segue to our next question how do you think like what is your take on empathy being as being being a leading characteristics for for young leaders in today's generation uh, i mean you've discussed diversity inclusion is just a trend nowadays basically everywhere but if we were to dive deeper how can how can that be a leading characteristic within our generation the youth that is upcoming that is essentially in 15 20 years taking on major leadership decisions making major making global uh, making globally renowned decisions in the world and it's actually going to take the world to another to another place how how is that important and and why is it important and where where do you see their work to be really done it's a big question um i think that Again, like throughout the conversation, we've talked about how empathy is so important in terms of just understanding that we're all human, that we all want the same things, we all have the same fears. Um, and I think that the more that we can kind of do to increase our empathy, again, through reading, through engaging with different kinds of people, different kinds of content, we'll understand that actually we're all in this together. Like there's global warming, you know, like all of these things, there's no we we all need to band together to kind of make the planet mm. healthy and and good and at the moment i think there is just so many divisions that we're you know we're forgetting we're like oh this person's rich this person's poor this person's black this person's white whereas actually 
we we are living in a global world you know there's yeah. no such thing anymore as having these divisions we all are breathing the same oxygen we're all kind of you know using drinking the same water like we're all you know under the same ozone layer which is rapidly diminishing so i think it's one of those things that it's like okay how how can we band together because it's not useful anymore you know Sometimes I hear stories that my grandfather tells me or like I'll read old school books and there were such binary divisions between classes between all of these things and I think that that's very 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 rapidly especially in the UK and in kind of you know the US and stuff it's diminishing it's it's yeah. no longer as um you it's not easy anymore to say oh you're the you're this or you're that mm-hmm. not really especially as we we absorb the same content we're all on the same internet we you know yeah. we travel around the world we're all able to relate to them and i think that that's something that we really need to kind of focus on for ourselves and for you know the younger generations need mm-hmm. to kind of just yeah really engage with this kind of stuff i think and realize that we have a lot more to gain by being empathetic towards each other by realizing that we all are the same we all want the same things we all need the same things to live happy healthy lives um, you mentioned reading though you've mentioned reading talking to your grandfather you've mentioned a couple of habits subconsciously throughout our talk that really sort of i think have made alia alia yeah uh, like are there any is there anything you're working on to really expand that 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 sensory that 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 um, sense of Yeah, well I'm I'm working on a few things that I'm not really able to talk about just yet, but it's essentially yeah, just I'm just trying to to just keep kind of breaking down these perceived differences um and to just provide nuance essentially to what it means to be a Middle Eastern woman. I'm sharing my story in hopes mm-hmm. that it will also help other people feel confident and able to share their stories and i think that one thing that we really need that we definitely don't have enough of yet and again it comes back to empathetic leadership is we need to have more gatekeepers yeah. who are people of color who are you know all sorts of different things that will then allow to kind of you know you put the ladder back down other people come up they'll be gatekeepers they'll help other people come back and come up you know um and i think that that's that's really what we need and i feel like i'm quite an optimistic person and i feel like we are going that way um but we definitely need more we definitely definitely need more and i think that again empathy is what's going to help that happen yeah i believe that what's one last thing that you would like our our our, our listener our our young optimistic driven listener that is that could be a little bit confused that could be a little bit worried of of, of the first step um what what's one thing alia would like to tell them um i think that there's no right or wrong i think that we are often very harsh on ourselves and we're often like okay cool this should all like you know we beat ourselves up a lot and we think that we should just immediately get something or immediately have something and i think that you know again going back to often seeing the final result on social media a lot of like the younger generation <laughs> myself included often thinks that that's what's supposed to happen so i would say yeah like be kind to yourself be patient do the work um and that everything will everything will happen the way it's supposed to you know i'm a big believer in manifestation um and kind of positive thinking and all of that and just 
yeah, I think just don't be so hard on yourself. Everything's going to be fine. <laughs> yeah, I love that. Okay, so now we're actually going to hop into the fireball segment. Um, I genuinely really enjoyed this conversation, Alia. I just want to say that uh, in, in many ways you are a hero to me. Um, I don't really, <laughs> have, no, no, no. I don't really have like, I, I didn't grow up listening to, uh, even though like there when I, when I looked at the image that you posted with all the books that you had researched um, or have read to, in order to write the book, I know there are so many Arab uh, writers um, that have very, very unique voices. But to have someone like you that I connected with, I, th- I think that was very unique. So Bhagat, thank you so much for coming and sharing your time. Um, that's okay. Let's now hop into this really 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 cool segment because i want to break some some more barriers down with alia um, all right let's do it all right let's do this let's do this okay um i'm just getting my stopwatch my timer and this is going to be a little bit more intense okay so get ready um all right one two all right let's go alia what's your biggest fear Ooh, pigeons pigeons who's your favorite author dirty pickles Who's your favorite sports person? Mo Salah. Proudest achievement? I didn't hear you. Proudest achievement? My book. If you could be one thing in the world, what would you be? A rapper. Money or fame? I can't hear you. Money or fame? Money or fame? Uh, Money. A song that best describes your life? Um, Ah... Uh, I don't know. Lil Wayne. Anything Lil Wayne. I love him. <laughs> Favorite movie? Uh, cool Intentions. Favorite quote? Everything is temporary. Your biggest role model? Ooh. Kim Kardashian. Favorite food? Pasta. <laughs> this is my alarm. It's it's embarrassing. Sorry. <laughs> um, yeah, that's difficult. I was like, wait, what? Yeah, I actually, I actually, my tab went off. So I was like, because I have them written down on my computer. And I was like, no. Always happen. Uh, yeah, no, I like that. Um, you know, it's uh, funny because whenever I say that I love Kim Kardashian, people are like, what the hell are you talking about? I was just going to ask you about that. Yeah, I knew it. <laughs> I was like, I'm going to preempt this. I just feel like she's, what I really admire about her is that she's really herself. And I get that people are like, oh, her, she did plastic surgery, whatever. I, 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 I acknowledge that and that's fine. But I feel like she's really herself in terms of like, she's not ashamed. Like they show all their, she shows all her family drama, anything that she's interested in. Like now she's starting to be a lawyer. Like she's not afraid to take risks and to think outside the box and like anything that she's interested in, she pursues. And I find that really admirable. Like she's, you know, t- taken on endeavors that have failed and she's like, just brushed herself off, tried again. Um, obviously, you know, the sex tape, which everyone was loving to shame her on and she kind of made something out of it instead of allowing it to sort of destroy her life and her self-confidence. And I just think that's super admirable. Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, looking, looking back, that and after reading your book i definitely understand it from a very very different perspective and i really admire that because i i after of course tapping into a, 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 a the world of, a, of how a woman thinks and, and and the struggles you see from a man standpoint and from an and i think that you know having 
in the world uh, or living in a world where many leaders are men, they do not have that sense of understanding what it is like to be a, a woman, understanding a woman's struggle. Um, I think that's what I learned from the greater freedom. And now having you talk about Kim and seeing how, why you perhaps admire, I, I can definitely relate to that and I can definitely respect that. And I definitely see that in a different way. So yeah, I, I really, really, that that is my takeaway from, from, from the greater freedom. That sure. Kim Kardashian's great. No, I'm joking. Yeah. No, well, you know, it's, it's funny. Empathy. It's understanding. Eh? It's absolutely understanding because I would have never known what, how how tough it is to be a, a, a woman had I not understood the, the shame, the, the hair, all the like, uh, we're not going to like dive the, I, I want, I really want our audience to, to, to read the book and, and understand the intricacies behind all the things that you've really talked about. And I think that that's essentially right. Yeah. It's, 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 it's super important to understand because we will be having, whether it's a, a, a friends who are female, women, daughters, we will be around uh, women and we need to understand um, them better to be able to understand their struggles, to be able to serve them better, be able to live a harmonious, loving life, full stop. It's really that yeah. simple. Okay. Exactly. Reflection segment. Um, this is one of, uh, this, this, is a, this is a cool segment as well. Um, if you could go back in time to the 15-year-old Alia, what's one thing you would tell her that you would do differently knowing what you know right now? Honestly, and I, I, like, I always find it difficult when people, when I hear people say this, because I'm like, but I really agree that I actually would not do anything differently. Um, because I think that everything happens so that you can learn particular lessons. Would you have learned the lesson if you hadn't gone through that? Probably not. Um, and I just think that, yeah, everything, everything happens for a reason, the good stuff and the bad stuff. I don't think that there's, bad is binary, you know? I think that that's... Um, subjective and i feel like if we take lessons and we grow and stuff then everything is for a greater purpose i love your optimism i love it i absolutely no 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 and i, I actually that's 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 a similar response to what i would say so I, I i love it um i know you just wrote the greater freedom but this next question is the legacy question and um in 100 years time if you had a self-titled book what would be the title of it and who would write your forward? Oh my God. And what would be on the back matter of that book? Wow. Yeah, right? <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's such a weird one because I'm even thinking like, oh, what other books do I want to write? Because I definitely want to write more books. And I'm sorry to like say this, but I'm actually not able to answer that question right now because everything that I am and everything that I've who I am so far is in that book okay and I have That's lived good. no more life since it came out if you see what I mean yeah like yeah. I feel like I need to just like live a little bit more before I'm able to even imagine mm. what else or in a hundred years what my book will be if it's not that if you see what I mean so I'm yeah. really sorry for that no buzz. no 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 I really respect that and I I think you really brought a different perspective to to the show I think that um as someone who's read the book as someone who like surprisingly uh, have had a very 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 
close connection to you i think the world is like you're just you're just only one person from the per- from anyone you want to reach to and it's yeah. it's so funny it's so funny i mean i talk a lot about how like i spoke with the world health and blah blah it's literally one person you someone and if you're doing something you believe in like energy never lies and you're just it's crazy anyways we won't talk about that ali i want to thank you so much for coming on the show uh, feel free to take the floor feel free to take the floor and 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 and, and say your last remarks no i just wanted to say thank you so much for your your thoughtful questions for your excitement for your optimism as well and your positivity i think that we need more people like like you in the world um so yeah no i really really enjoyed it i really enjoyed it thank you so much for having me What a conversation with Alia Moro. If you guys liked this episode, please feel free to share it with your friends and leave it 5 to and it would mean a lot if you could take 5 to 30 to 60 seconds and leave us a review with what you thought of this episode. That's it for now. Please make sure you have a great week ahead and we cannot wait to host more youth leaders around the world and leadership experts to really have a conversation about how we can become the best change makers we can using the secret Actually, I won't say secret sauce because it isn't really. Empathy is something that we all have and empathy is something that we can all use and harness within our skill sets and toolbox. And with that being said, Just down below in the show notes, you can find our text messaging number where you can send any of your questions to any of our guests. Thank you guys so much for tuning in and see you next week. Just remember, in life and in business, true empathy and compassion always wins. <laughs>